Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game, or in this case, Two Men in a War Game. I am Kevin, aka Chops, one of your co-hosts, and my other co-host is... It's Paul! Hooray! It's Paul. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm doing well. How about yourself? Good. Good. Uh, Well, we are here today to talk about something that's old news for everybody already listening, and that's the things that were exciting to us at Gen Con, even though we weren't there. Yeah. 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 Um, so my highway progress is very easy to report uh, to you Uh-oh. this year or this uh, this episode. This year? Cause, yeah, this year. Because <laughs> I ain't done shit because uh, I'm, I'm going on vacation. And so I've been uh, – so people who don't know, I work uh, at a higher ed institution and I cho- I've chosen the – Maybe worst week possible. Well, the second work week, worst week possible to go on vacation, and that is the week before the week before school. Oh, so yeah. So I have done everything in my power to uh, get all of the work done and anticipate all of the needs of my faculty and staff, um, and also left very excellent notes for my cover so that when I leave, it's uh, not as if I'm abandoning them at the busiest time of the year. Uh, <laughs> but because of that, I have been very, very busy. Uh, I've been at work doing all sorts of computer lab replacements and stuff. So that's been my hobby progress. It's been work. Wow. Well, that doesn't, I mean, good, good for you for going on vacation, but yeah, that's, that's a, that's a good time. That's a great time to leave. Whoops. (laughs) I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't control, I can't control when Disney sends their boats exactly where we want to go for the amount of time we want to go. So, uh, and my boss is actually very understanding. He was like, you need to get the hell out of here. Do your thing. Go on vacation. We'll be fine. You've done. And I actually told me this two days, two days ago. I was like, you've done really good getting us ready. So just get out of here and have a good time. So well, there you go. Now you don't even have to worry about it. You well, just disappear. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't have to worry but, about it. And then actually not worrying about it are two very different things. But I will do my fair. best. I'll do that's my best. How about on the you? upside, if you're if you're on a boat somewhere, then you don't have to worry about like, uh, let me just check that yeah. phone buzz. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be when I get back to shore. I'll be like, ooh, when I look at my email. <laughs> but <laughs> how about you? What have you been up to? Uh, what have I been up to? Um, I've been working on some more conquest stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. Almost it. at yeah, I'm almost at my full two K painted, uh, which is really exciting. I just have a few a few veterans to finish up, and then they're going to be looking uh really awesome. Um, and then I started building another guy but that's kind of dl and surprise for later um, oh, amazing super cool yeah, yeah we're not gonna yeah, talk I'm well Pog ex- doesn't listen anyway but that's a, i mean yeah it's uh yeah it's very cool yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm i'm excited and 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 hope my plan goes uh uh as as planned um, and then I can keep my mouth shut. And for and for and then, the people listening, because Potter's not listening, uh, Paul bought a model that Potter doesn't know about, and he's just going to bring it painted and be like, "Wow!" on the table with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, with a whole with a whole with a whole group. It's of a whole unit. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awesome. Um, so, yeah, that's that. And I mean, my like you, I've had uh, non hobby or. Yeah, lots of non-hobby stuff going on. Like I'm completely like clearing out my backyard because it got overgrown with wisteria. Oh no, thought, that, dude, that shit is yeah. bad. Dude, I <clears throat> look. I thought it was like just regular old weeds, and I don't give a shit about regular old weeds, right? Like mm-hmm. I love that I have all the bees and the birds and the rabbits and all that kind of shit same, in my yard. Buddy, same. 
and then um on the one day I was looking out back, I was like, man, I guess a branch fell from that tree. And then it wasn't all that much longer that I realized that the branch was actually a uh, wisteria. And then as I started looking closer, I realized everything basically in my backyard underneath these two trees was nothing but wisteria. Oh, no. The worst um, feeling. Yeah. 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 And um, so I've, I'm uh, waging my war against it. Um, as you should, it's, as it, you should. It, absolutely. Um, and it, it's it's going well. I believe I am winning. Um, except I didn't know it was the, possible to win. I felt like it was just like you were just forever now going to be waging war. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be forever waging war, but I'm trying to pull up as much roots as possible. and sure. You know, just trying to get everything cleared out. And I've got it to the point where I, I – this is the most terrifying thing of all was when I uh, – First time I, I was like, all right, well, there's just way too much for me to go digging it all out. And I'm just going to get some brush clearer and clear it out with some brush clearer. And I sprayed it with the brush clearer and waited a week and freaking nothing happened. Hmm. Um, and like the stuff, the few things that weren't wisteria were dying. Yep. And uh, so then I'm like, well, crap, this is apparently not working. I'm just going to have to set my backyard on fire and hope it doesn't get on the fence oh, no. into the other people's yard. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go and spray it a second time and see what happened. And that actually killed a whole crap ton of it. Um, and then basically I've been cutting down, cutting branches off of my tree uh, and cutting vines that were growing up the tree. So my one whole tree, all the vines in there are dead. Now I'm starting on the other tree. So we're getting somewhere. So that's been that's been a lot of my uh, weekend time has been spent doing that. Sure. So yeah, so, and probably for the rest of my life. Yeah. But as long as long as <clears throat> as long as I can be like, well, um, it didn't actually like it's not my fault that it got into the other neighbor's yard. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm preventing it going one more yard down because it was my neighbor on the one side that had it years ago. And I didn't yep. realize it snuck over. Yep. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So that's my, my wisteria fighting war situation. Woof. Well, let's get on to other topics. Yeah. Let's do more stuff. Yeah. Gen Con talking. So we're not going to cover everything in Gen Con because there was way too much to cover. And to be honest, none of us paid enough attention. Uh, but that is fair. But, 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 but there were some things that we really liked, um, two things specifically, and then some other things worth noting and something that's going to dovetail into something else later to be as cryptic as possible. We have a plan. We have a plan. Uh (laughs) All right. So, um, the first thing I want to talk about, um, that was really exciting, at least to me, uh, is... A new product from a company that we both like, and that company is Corvus Belly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they have been talking about Warcrow uh, for a long time now. They've, you know, successfully kickstarted a board game and are publishing the board game Warcrow Adventures that's set in this universe. But they have always maintained that there will be a war game coming, uh, and they've been slow rolling some previews and stuff but they took the opportunity at gen con to start doing what they're calling beta demos which i heard they did like 220 hours um like if you if you look at like total man hours demoing the game at Mm -hmm. gen con and they had quote unquote overwhelming positive feedback 
so that's really cool. Um, but we should talk about what they show. And obviously, this is an audio podcast, so we can't convey uh, all of the subtleties of the things we're going to sh- we're going to talk about. But what I would suggest is that you go and look at pictures while you're listening. If you can, please don't do that if you're driving. But when you get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> when you get a chance, uh, I mean, I know when I listen to podcasts, Paul, but like, please go and look at the images for Warcrow that are going to be associated with what we're going to be talking about. Um, and you know what? It's screw it. The guy, a lot of the people who do really good infinity podcasts, de- they talk about models all the time. And, you know, uh, if they're good or not, like Maya cast RIP best infinity podcast. Um, yeah, no shit, right? they always used to rate models, right? They would rate them on a scale. Um, on you know whether or not it was a must buy down to a like Mac can ignore it uh, yeah. model and so we could do something similar with these models right and so what they did is they showed the contents of the starter box uh, which is a uh, faction called the Northern Tribes which uh, looks to be I, so I would imagine it will be more diverse than this as the faction releases but right now it looks like trolls and orcs. Um, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Uh, and then the uh, hegemony of Embersig is the other. Uh, and this, I would assume, is a human hegemony, given the name, uh, right. or a human elf hegemony, right? Like, that's, that's I think, actually more, more what it looks like. It's a grouping of multiple races that are banding together in a region called Embersig. I haven't done enough research into the lore, obviously. Yep. Um <laughs> But this looks to me to be a lot like one of the starter kits for Code 1. Um, I mean, right down to this, the, the finer details being like the amount of uh, things in the box, including models. It's 14 models. 14 models mm-hmm. is pretty typical for the, the average Corvus Belly box. If you've ever bought a Code 1 battle box, uh, you know that they come with 14. And they've come with 14 all the way back to the operation days. So yeah, way back when. Yep. Yep. So this is no different than going all the way back to our operation boxes and right up to the fact that they've shown that they're going to do uh, a box, a supplemental box for each of the factions after this comes out. So it's like literally the code one model um, for releasing their new game. It makes me wonder if like they were sort of demoing this as a release model while they were, while they were, they were like beta testing the release model using infinity. Um, but it was successful for Infinity, so good on them. Yep. And oh. I think it's going to work out for this. I mean, I mean, the exciting thing about Warcrow is that they, you know, they all, like you said, they also gave us that rundown on when to expect it and everything. So it's going to be interesting seeing over the next year, because this next, next Gen next Con Gen that'll Con. be mm-hmm. really dealy out there. Yes. Um, but they'll start having them for, for demos and, and, more model announcements and, yeah, and more we'll, information about the game. And we'll talk a little bit more about that after we talk about the models themselves here. Um, yeah. So we don't have to talk about them all in detail, but it's pretty obvious, which are the, uh, the three, the, the, the sort of leader model and then the sort of Lieutenant model. And then the grunts, you can pretty obviously mm-hmm. tell those when you just look at them. Um, so the leader model for the Ember Sig faction, I want to talk about real quick. It looks like it's like an, elf uh battle mage would you agree that's kind of the the vibe that we have going oh we have to we should talk about warcrow at all uh so warcrow is the fantasy <laughs> war game from corvus belly yes. uh and it has yes. a has a very very much fantasy uh aesthetic um i would go 
so man, it's uh, it's definitely low fantasy, or high, I guess mm-hmm. high fan. Well, somewhere between mid. Let's call it mid fantasy because I guess we don't know if it's high or low. Sure, that's uh, fair. At that's a point, fair statement. It could be. We do know it's fantasy, though, Kev. We do. It's fantasy. We do. But the, <laughs> it's very the, the the thing that's cool about this though is that they, while they are like Corvus Belli always does, borrow aesthetics, but they they twist them into their own thing very well. Um, think about like uh, any. I mean, there's been Parabellum, right? Is a good example of a company that's taking aesthetics and sort of warping them into their own thing. And now these are certainly orcs, but as you look at them, for example, if you, when you look at the orcs, it's going to be very easy to spot these. Like if you're looking at a table, you will be able to tell like, oh, those are Corvus belly orcs, right? They're very clearly orcs, you know, right when you yeah. look at them, but also they definitely have the, and what it comes down to is the sculpting quality, right? The sculpt, it just has a very Corvus belly feel to it. There's like lots of tactical rocks and dynamic mm-hmm. movement and yelling and the posing is very Corvus belly, yep. but it's high fantasy. Um, so going back to Embersig and this battle mage. So this battle mage has this like long flowing, almost feathered cape, uh, just like layers and layers of fabric, which look like they're going to be awesome to paint and lots of cool details, including uh, some of the cooler spell effects that I've seen on a spell casting model in a while. And obviously a lot of that's down to the, paint job on the model but the model is mm-hmm. sick i don't know how you feel about it paul no i i no i think he's awesome like and and you're right these are very much uh like you can look at them if you know infinity models you can look at them and you'll be like yes those are corvus belly right yeah like it's, it's, clearly it's, it's, their it's style. so it hard fits. to describe what makes it different because when you look at it you're like oh it's vanilla fantasy but it it is it is vanilla fantasy but it's also very corvus belly yeah, no, that's and that's what's that's what I like about it, right? Like even just looking at the uh, in the hegemony, even the guy that's not the leader, um, you know, sitting there back there, he's got the the wing on his back. He looks freaking amazing, amazing. So does um, so does the person sitting next to them with the eye patch yep. and the like giant yep. cape. Yeah, very yep. cool. Somewhat pirate. I I feel like this is like what um, like this is kind of what. Warm some war machine stuff would have looked like if it didn't have the the blocky war machine style. Like yeah, I feel like this sort of was what they style. would be trying to go for. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think on on some of them, I think that that works for them. Boy, um, maybe that's what but, I like so much about it is it's like edgier privateer mm-hmm. breast models. Yeah, it's 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 that there's definitely and, and I don't mean edgier like edgier very, teen. I mean like there's literally more edges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 less of that war machine stylistic approach, whereas this is this looks a bit more like it's walking off of, um, you know, like a, a modern fantasy book cover. A hundred percent. Yeah, dude. You know? Yes, that's exactly right. But I like that. I really um, like the aesthetic that they've got going. And and it, again, the, the the sculpt quality is just like off the charts. Well, yeah. And I mean, uh, and again, like if you go back and you look at the orcs, um, it, you know, we're looking at that one, you know, the same picture, but the one all the way off to the right looks freaking ridiculous. Yeah. It's got the like slightly um, different color skin going a little bit yeah. bigger than the rest of them. Bulkier, yeah. It's probably yeah, it's like, like they have a cave troll. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, and, and the one, 
There's one that's got a very uh, all the way to the left, very infinity style pose to them where they're clearly running and about yeah, to so stab the I'm shit gonna, out of you. Dude, yes. I'm gonna so I'm gonna point a detail out to you of that dude all the way on the right, the really cool, like off-color one. It, you'll yeah. note that the weapon in his left hand is a spinal cord that is like tied yes, to his left arm and then sharpened to a point just beyond his yep. fist. <laughs> yep. Yes, yeah, strapped super- down like his whole forearm. Oh, it looks so cool. Yeah, it looks awesome. Yep, yep. I fully support that. Yeah, me, um, me too. And and but but that person, poor person's back is no longer supporting them. No, Jesus. No, <laughs> that is true. Um, so have you have you looked at the Warcrow site at all? A little bit. Yeah, it's very flashy. I like it. Um, yeah, and uh, they have a couple other miniatures that are not on. Uh, what we were looking at there. I don't know if you realized that or not. Neat. I did not a, know. There's a dwarf. Sick. Well, I mean, well, I've seen all the minis that are in the Warcrow, uh, the tabletop game, the, the Warcrow adventures. Have, yeah. Have you seen the, have you seen like the dwarf and the wood yes. elf looking guy? Yes. Okay. And they're dope. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, and also that all the enemies, if you haven't looked all of the like baddies in, in that box also look amazing uh and and so we i mean it's sort of not news that the that the what the aesthetic of this game was going to be but it's like so i think it's just been so refreshing to see the models that are actually going to be in the war game you know yep um yeah and and, and if you do take some time to go look at the villains i'm trying to remember a cup of a couple of the villains i I, so it's been a minute since i looked but i very distinctly remember there was one kind kind of enemy called an echo and the echoes were like ghosts sort of but like still were kind of like looking like what they did in the previous life do you know what i'm saying so like an echo of like a an elf still has like an elf silhouette wearing the armor like the ghost thing carries the silhouette but it's wearing like Mm. shattered armor and looks ghostly um so they're really cool and then there's like some like homunculi looking models too if i remember properly and some very very scary looking demon dudes so the 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 aesthetic of the world of warcrow is very cool oh yeah i mean it's 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 like the perfect it, it's a perfect um like modern looking fantasy miniatures yeah really. i like it a, i like it a lot like it yeah. a lot cool um going back yeah, to that's really exciting going back to the box um the uh so that we talked about what it is all right so let's talk a little bit about what they talked about on the uh thing we don't we know very non-specific details so one of the things we do know though is that the game features alternating activations which is perfect yep we like alternating activations and i went back and i listened to it a couple times and i think my understanding might be off but what it sounded like to me the hopo said is that what she was talking about was that you you assign the activation order at the top of the round and then stick to that activation order, which would be similar to conquest. Right. Um, but it's not the only game to do that. The way of Kings, I think did that too. Right. There were, there's been like plenty of games that have uh, had that, that kind of activation style where you sort of like set your activations top of round and then right. uh, go, go from there. So that's really cool. 
Um, I like that a lot. Nah, it, so it uses a series of custom D8s. So everybody get your, you know, if you're not a fan of custom dice, get your pitchforks out. Um, <laughs> I don't mind them. Um, personally, I think custom dice uh, allow the designers to do a lot of cool pushing and pulling, especially if they are implemented correctly. Uh, and so the approach that it would appear that Corvus Belli is taking is similar to that what they did in Aristea. Now, Aristea has slightly different dice, but these dice have the same symbols on them, but they are D8s, but they're also the same colors. So we've got mm-hmm. like red, green, blue, black, yellow, and orange, which just like Aristea, I'm sure will all have different properties for attacks, defenses, and then special properties. Um, and it looks like there's two colors for each of those categories. Well, we don't know what those are going to be yet because they haven't talked a whole lot about the mechanics of the game. Um, we, they did show some stat cards. We're not going to get into the stat cards now because I don't feel like they showed enough of the stat cards to get a really good handle on the game. But once we see some more demo footage and get the base rules that we can read, we'll do mm-hmm. a more in-depth preview. But this is just to say that they do have custom dice. And then there's a there's one thing that's very, very cool for me. And so... They talked about the game Warcrow conceptually, and the game Warcrow conceptually is that when you're doing a pitched battle or a battle, right, in in Warcrow, the location that you're fighting in is the most important thing about the scenario. And so if you think about your average war game, this isn't the case, right? The thing, the terrain is the the third player, sure, in in many Mm -hmm. games, but where you're fighting isn't necessarily important to the the game itself and here they want that i think they really want that narrative aspect weaved into the game which is i think another thing that's going to be a spot of contention for some people where you know they're like i want the strict mechanical experience i want like victory point zones and three inch circles and i want you know very specific this and that and we may get that we don't know that we're not getting that but what they did say is that the location that you're fighting in has a lot of weight over the scenario and importantly, how the victory points are scored there. So the, and I think this is important because for me, especially my immersion in war games can get very tied into why we're fighting. And I know I play a lot of Malifaux and Malifaux can be pretty abstract from this point, but like Eden is another game that's one of my favorite miniature games of all time. We have an episode, you should go back and listen to it. I love Eden. And the thing that, that one of the like, aside from just like having amazing combat system and rules in general, the thing that most immersed me about Eden was that you brought the objective for your crew. So like your crew in Eden was in the place for the reason that you brought to the table. And that always put me right in it because the objectives were always tailored to your warband and made sense to your warband sort of mission, aesthetic and story the lore yeah it was uh, that was always a great thing and i still wish shatterpoint had kind of gone that way me too i was actually really sad when i was reading through the rules and found out that wasn't the case but you know yeah. you can't win you can't win every battle and shatterpoint does seem like an excellent war game um 
but the, it does seem like Warcrow is heading more into that, like the the actual location you're fighting in is mm-hmm. pivotal to the game that you're playing. And I think that's super sick. And for a lot of reasons, one, because I think they're going to actually be able to have like themed terrain packs where the terrain it sort of sets where you are and that lets them do scenario design based on it. But also... Uh, if you've ever been to an infinity tournament, you know that Corvus Belly hobbyists are right up there with Kings of War hobbyists mm-hmm. as some of the most dedicated and creative in the industry. I don't care where go. If you go to a miniatures convention and you go the tables, let the Kings of War and uh, Corvus Belly stuff always stands out. It's always like show stoppingly cool. Uh, the things that people come up with for their boards. And so I think we're going to have that translate into Warcrow because you're going to have that sort of similar audience. There's going to be some, you know, some Corvus Belly fans, obviously, that are going to be trying this game out. And should they like it, pouring that creative energy into the terrain for this game. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of uh, Corvus Belly's thing, right? Like uh, we've always talked about terrain being the third player in infinity right so it it would make sense that they would step it up a little bit here and and have that be uh you know what you uh, major influence on the game especially since it seems you know the game's a little more um like you said narrative right it seems like it's going to be a much more narrative games gameplay than um what we're used to seeing from infinity which is very much dialed in on that competitive gameplay yeah um so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they approach that and i feel like maybe part of the reason i mean other than also it's great to have a fantasy and a sci-fi game Mm -hmm. um but also it makes sense for them to uh really make it distinct from infinity in that it is a a good bit more narrative yeah this is definitely not infinity but fantasy uh and we'll get into that with our next our next thing that we talk about although they did there are short actions and long actions i did stick around in the video long enough to hear uh they did there was some talk about that you, you you there are short and long actions and you have two actions per turn unless you take a long action right so that's a lot like infinity but yeah, that's also but I mean, if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Like, do, exactly. do what you know and then focus on the other stuff around it. Exactly. So this, what it looks like to me is there's parts of Defiance, there's parts of Aristea, mm-hmm. there's parts of Infinity. So they're sort of like taking all of the things that they've learned and they're kind of designing their dream war game. And I'm into that. Um, yeah. But that does bring us to another point. And I think, Paul, this one might be a contentious point for you. So I'm curious to get your input on it. So the measurement unit in Warcrow is entirely proprietary. It, so now it, it depends. It depends. Yeah. It, it depends on how it functions. Yeah. Um, and, and so they, know, they it, call it a step, right? And the step isn't tied to inches or centimeters. And I, I get it. They want to do this so that they can have a, truly global game that's part like if if you know anything about Corvus Belli you know that their app is actually like they do all their math twice like everything is done twice amazing because everything can be done in either metric or imperial measurements and that's right down I I mean you can convert the apps like everything works that way and I think what they're doing with this movement system is being like enough (laughs) like we have a huge audience that uses the metric system and a huge audience that uses imperial systems. 
and for God's sakes, let's just use one measurement system. And so they've they've come up with this thing. I think they called them steps, but they're not tied to inches or centimeters. It's a proprietary unit of measure. Uh, and the game will come with a stick that measures out to 20, as well as widgets that measure out two, three, four, five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, like that makes more sense to me. Yeah. Right. Then then like the the. MCP ones. I don't know why those ones just drive well, me nuts. Well, the ones, right? the reason like, they, the reason the MC, M, MCP ones drive you nuts is they're not even proportional to themselves. Well, that's, well I think it's that's, that they're, that's, they're, the MC, that's the problem with the MCP measurements is that like they're not proportional to each other. <laughs> like well, they're, but, well, they're just, just like it, right? random like, things. Like this is short, medium, long, or whatever. Well, yeah, but the like the the. Um, like the three is six inches and the four is eight inches. That's what I'm the, saying. You know, they're the five, not proportional. Like, just call they're, it just just call it what it call it a ten inch one, right? Like, come yeah, on, I, stop, I got stop it. jerking me around. At least this is just like <laughs> it's consistent. you know one through twenty. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's consistent. It's, it's consistent. So yep, and yep. as long as the and tables I, aren't massive, it's going to be fine. That's going to be a big thing. I don't. So I didn't stick around to see if they actually talked about the table size here. But that could become an issue, right? If like ranges go beyond twenty, it's like, how do you measure right. them? <laughs> right? Do you need so, to, do you need like two of them or whatever? Yeah, do you but stick I, them together all wonky? Like that's that's where we start to run into some issues. But we'll see, right? right. Maybe p- perhaps a non-issue. Um, yeah, right. here's here's hoping here's hoping that it's it's fairly smooth and it's just like okay, here here you go. Here's you know your one through twenty. And we don't know, you know, like we can see the the stick on there, right? But we don't quite know what the distance between one and two is. So we don't quite know how long that. Right. Yeah. The, the picture they gave us, there's no, uh, there, there's like no not banana for scale. Exactly. We don't have the universal <laughs> b- internet measurement tool of banana. That's right. Um, all right. Yeah. Well, sorry. Right, so just to cap this off for work, it looks cool. Beta demos are starting now. So here's the thing. If you are somewhere in the world uh, where they're going to be doing beta demos, which if I remember right, it was Essen, the UK Game Show, Adepticon, and Interplanetario. Those are the places, I think, between now and next Gen Con to catch demos. Gen Adepticon next year will be the grand unveiling, if you will. So that appears to be when they're going to release the rule set when they're going to sort of go all out with the miniatures line to show more, they're going to flesh out more factions. Hopefully Mm -hmm. some of the baddies make it into there. I'm very excited to be able to play the baddies. Um, Yeah. And, or, you know, the, the stuff that comes out of the mist or whatever, but the, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Adapticon big unveiling Gen Con is when the initial box is going to be on sale next year. So we have about yeah, one year to I'm, wait for Warcrow and I'm pretty pumped for it. If I'm being honest, I think, um, as long as the it, boy, if it comes out and the table size is small, I'm like not four by four, I think is what I mean by small yeah. at this point. I'm, uh, I'm a hundred percent, uh, in to try. It, it could be super interesting on a on a three by three. Yeah, three by um, three, maybe even a two by two. Crossing off fingers. I don't think you, I don't think you're going to see much of your two by twos there, sir. I know uh, I know that's like your dream situation, I but no. Um, yeah, well, we're gonna we're yeah, gonna talk I about think, a game that plays on a smaller table in, in a couple minutes here. Um, so, but but and that might actually yeah, we're, we're we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. 
Yeah, no, let's do let's do let's do the next one because this is definitely worth talking about. Yes. So the next thing we're excited about, or at least I'm excited about, is uh gonna come as no surprise. Some of you are probably shouting it out in front of you right now. It is the Crisis Protocol Earth's Mightiest Corset, revised corset for MCP. Um and let me let me first say, uh I'll get it right out of the way. I think this is Hands down, one of the best miniatures products I've ever seen. I'm just going to say that right out, and then we can start talking about it. I don't know how you right. feel about it, Paul, but I like. I think pound for pound, now it's it's a little expensive, um, mm-hmm. but like it's 2023 and shit. We just have to calibrate to shit being more expensive. That's just where we are now. Yeah. Um, but boy, is this a is this like it's marketed perfectly? It's exactly what the game needs right now, and. Everything in it, top to bottom, is perfect. They nailed it. Just nailed it. It's like there. I have no notes on what they should have done with this corset. It's perfect. The uh, uh, the sculpt updates. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. Uh, so I know I saw some people that were like, "Really, the third and fourth model for this thing?" Now, come on. Like the. We always knew there were going to be multiple skulls for characters. I know there are still hundreds of characters that people want to see. But look, you have to remember that Atomic Mass cannot put everything desirable about out all at once. They can't just release right. everything at one time. It's not possible to test it. It's not possible to release it. And it's not sustainable for the fucking game. They right. have to slow roll big releases. Like, yes, I, you know how bad I want Fantastic Four? So fucking bad. But I'm not out here going, where's my Fantastic Four starter? <laughs> because, <laughs> well, because like they'll release it when it's time. Right. And and it will be good when it comes out, right? And, and the other thing is, that when it comes out, it's going to cause a huge amount of hype and everyone's going to want to buy it. And they have to pace those hype balls and there is actually, I think, something very cool about the consistency between the first core set and the second core set I, right. that, I, that I personally really appreciate because one of those things is it immediately identifies itself as a new player to be able to say, I can just buy the new one. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. Because it's the Which same. It's awesome. all the same miniatures, even though they're different stat cards, they're different characters. And that's what's great for in like for players that are already entrenched is that every one of these is a new model with new mm-hmm. rules. And so well, you can rebuy it confidently because it's also new sculpts. Yep. And let's be honest, terrain you didn't buy. Right. I don't buy terrain. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I it's like, it's like it, yeah, uh, it's good terrain, but like people aren't buying these yeah. terrain packs a lot, right? They're, they're, no. they just buy what they're forced to buy and get, and then buy the individual models they want. Um, no, I mean, I mean, look, I'm, you know how I can be curmudgeon about stuff like this. And I mean, yeah. this is, this is a fantastic set. All right. Um, I'm I glad to hear th- you say it. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that, um, you know, everything's just different enough that you do have incentive for buying this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um, great right? for like new even, players. It's great. It's, it's, it's great for everyone. Like everyone can buy this and it's a good deal for everyone who buys it. It's just like, thank God that one miniatures company finally figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. This is a fantastic um, addition. Cause I mean, even, 
just looking at the uh, um, differences in terrain, right? Like it's it's different terrain than we had before, and we have different. Um, and it's you know, it's twenty five pieces of terrain, Paul. Twenty six, sir. Twenty six. Sorry, twenty six. But still, twenty six. If you that think is about a lot, if, but that if you is think incredible. if you think about the average amount that an MCP yep. game needs, that is. That is, by the definition of the rules, more terrain than you need for a game of MCP. Paul, they give you more terrain than you I know. need, not I less. Know it's great. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I fully support it. I think it's great. Um, I mean, all the new sculpts are ridiculous. Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, that uh, Spider-Man, spectacular Spider-Man. Ooh, boy, spectacular sculpt. Let's talk about it. Yeah, no kidding. The the. Uh, you know, the symbiote there coming mm-hmm. to get him mm-hmm. and just the dynamic of of how he's jumping over it. He, and, and he's like, I mean, he's, so he's letting go of one strand of web to fire the next one. Yep. It's oh, man. Sick. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, it's it is, sick. It, I'll be I'll be honest with you. That is reason enough for me to spend the money on the entire box. Look at that one sculpt, one sculpt. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's it's. Just great. And the other thing too, Kev, let's not let's not um gloss over this is that the stuff from the old core set is going to be available as well. Right. right? Like they're doing yep. the Avengers mm-hmm. affiliation pack and the Cabal affiliation pack. So you'll yep. still be able to get them. Which Correct. again for new players makes it very simple to say, I'm going to get this new starter. I can get the older one through this kind through of this. like, and I can uh, buy it one side at a time. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like going to what Corvus Belli used does with infinity, right? Like yep. you have your code one starter this year and then next year it breaks up into individual sides. Yep. It's, it's just, it, again, it's just perfect. It's perfect. It's yep. so good. It's, it's smart. Yep. This um, is, uh, in, in all honesty with, with Marvel crisis protocol and conquest, those are clearly games being made by gamers. By gamers for gamers. They understand yep. what we need and they're giving us the things we need rather than the things they need to sell. Right. Um, exactly. And obviously they want to sell them, but in it, it, I feel like it behooves most miniatures games to make miniature player forward products and still somehow most companies can't figure it out. Um, but boy, this box, if, if you're listening to this and you make miniature games, take notes. This is a plus best starter I've ever seen, like hands yep. down. It's just, especially as a second starter, that is not the second edition of the game. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like this is just a revised core set for everyone. And it was so good, which is, you know, and it doesn't feel like, and I'm, I'm I mean, I guess I'm sure some people will see it this way, but. Oh yeah. There, um, I mean, if this know, is the internet, it, Paul, someone's yeah, going to hate know. this thing. People hate it. There, there, there are dozens of people who hate it. I'm sure. There's dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> of, um, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's an outward you know, blatant cash grab. No. Right. Like just like with anything not. else in Marvel no, Crisis Protocol, here. you can ignore. Yeah. The sculpting quality, the fact they're all new models that have clearly gone through testing, right? They've shown some of the rules and the models are awesome. The new Baron Zemo. So the new Baron Zemo in both sculpt and leader card make me want to buy the box because I just want to build a list around him because he's so cool. Um, and, and, and not to mention the new Ultron sculpt, which has a new Ultron model and mm-hmm. has some drones as a, as a, as a grunt unit. Right. And, and 
it is basically the model you need for the ultimate encounter because if you've ever played the Ultron ultimate encounter, you know he's wearing the cape. He's like in this mm-hmm. like very like menacing pose. And so now you have an Ultron model that you can use in your ultimate encounters that feels like an ultimate encounter Ultron. Yep. So no, which that, is great. I, and that's I, just like I, a yeah. small thing they didn't have to do, but they did. And it just works. I mean, they 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 nailed it. Uh, they're just yeah, they're really good at that. Um, and I mean, and that's not the only thing that they announced that was was pretty crazy. There was a bunch of other models that were coming out. Not a ton. Um, yeah, they were, they 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 showed a bunch of stuff. Um, like I believe, like Kitty Pride was one of the characters that they showed mm-hmm. to to round out their X Men force. Um, yep. With Iceman. Ice yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, Night yeah. Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Well, they the should... Nightcrawler they'd shown, but they were showing it. They wanted to show that you could pose him without the Banff. Thank um, God. So they, sh- <laughs> they showed it with, <laughs> with and without the Banff. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, AMG is just killing it right now, right? I, I remember seeing um, some IC, uh, ICV2 data that like, the the top five selling miniatures games right now are like Games Workshop, Games Workshop, Games Workshop, then AMG. Yeah, like it's like so sense. you know what I mean, like Warhammer, the, the Warhammer Age of or Forty K Age of Sigmar, something, and then uh, and then Marvel Crisis Protocol. So like they're clear, they're clearly killing it. They're uh, yep. rising in the ranks. They're doing the thing, and and you know traditionally, and I know AMG is not Fantasy Flight Games. I want to make sure we separate this. But they do, mm-hmm. you know, there there is some the, the shared design DNA, like they brought over some of the the stuff because of the Asmodee parent company thing. And that's yep. where Asmodee is typically sat, right? If you think about like X-Wing, they had X-Wing that was like up there competing with Games Workshop. And honestly, if any of these properties are going to be up there competing, I'm really glad that Crisis Protocol. And I'm sure, you know, once we get some more data on Shatterpoint, Shatterpoint is also going to be huge. The, the Facebook group proportionally has just blown up in size. So it's really cool to see that AMG is uh, clearly doing the thing. And like, and when we talk about the Shatterpoint starter, the Shatterpoint starter is also a five-star miniature starter. That thing is loaded to the gills with product. It's got so much terrain. The miniatures are great. I actually built four or five of the miniatures from Shatterpoint for uh, for one of the local stores for for Valhalla, and the miniatures mm-hmm. are great. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen the game in action. It looks it looks it looks good. Uh, I got to get my I got to get some some time trying it out and seeing for myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, I the the store that I play at most, there's not really a Shatterpoint scene like but yeah. Star Wars in general has kind of collapsed there for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the store that does have a good amount of Star Wars playing apparently has a very good Shatterpoint show up. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're right. AMG's doing it right and and the other thing i was thinking as you were as you were talking again there kev is that we've i over over the course of our uh full-on podcast i think we've um decided that there are three companies that do um starter sets right and that's hmm. corvus belly amg hmm. and and parabellum yes a hundred percent there like there's absolute there, there are there are those three and then there's there there are tiers right but those three are clearly at the top of it like every yeah. everyone players, else is looking focused up. yeah 
Everyone else is looking up. Now, there is actually some room to say that uh, TT Combat also makes a pretty good starter set. Um, the starter set for Rumble Slam and for Carnival are also very good. Um, but, you know, it's still not like the plastic terrain, like like all the things right. you want for, for your game. Uh, they're they're just these are just great right like fully supported in rules in rules terrain like terrain that actually has good rules that translate to the game it's plastic uh yeah it's just great great all uh, all around good um i I do also want to mention though that that the new starter set does again we talked about the fact that it does come with the new models that all have new profiles for the game uh Mm -hmm. but it's also worth noting that there are new crisis cards and new team tactics and the reason if you've never played mcp team tactics are it's like a it's it's like another resource that you can control in in terms of your resource management is your your team tactics cards you get a certain amount of them in your roster uh, and then you can pick a certain amount from those that come into your game and the reason i'm bringing it up is they're they're once per game abilities and amg has you know the the, every game system has its learning curve for the developers right because Mm -hmm. when they first start out they've got their rule system they think they understand everything and then it goes out into the wild and they realize whoops i mean and this goes right back to magic the gathering like the 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 beta is just rife with or alpha, sorry, it's just rife with broken cards. And this happened right. in, and it happens in every game and it's expected that it will happen. And one of the things that I think AMG did a lot at the beginning was they released neutral tactics cards that everyone mm-hmm. could use and they were too strong. And it just was like, right. it, it ended, up, ended up being like neutral card soup, right? Everyone was just taking the best neutrals. And I think what's going to yeah, happen And it was here, like the same five for everybody. Exactly. Uh, and what they've learned is that it's much better to specialize them. And so yeah. these are going to Absolutely. be more cinematic more specialized more centered around the squads that are inside this box which is perfect um, well, and, we've, and we've seen that too with even just their releases as they've been moving forward right like as they've been releasing new cards they've been more um uh model centric yeah and yeah even as they've been eliminating cards right like the 2022 uh uh pack had like basically removed i think it was like 70 percent of the neutral cards yeah and, and they, they they have they do that right they have their the the way that they're now like they're the card legality uh is set yep. up so that you play in timelines and the 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 like normal competitive play yeah it's a lot of them are gone but yep this is, is all, this is all to say, though, it's an improvement in the game, right? It makes list building more fun. It makes your characters feel more cinematic. Um, so, again, uh, just adding to the home run that is this box. And then obviously it comes with dice, widgets, tokens, etc. And all of those have updated design, uh, thankfully. Um, I, I really like that they made – this is a very small thing, but I, I think that – Generally, square chits are easier to pick up off tables than round ones. So mm-hmm. I'm very glad that they went to square chits for us. It's such a small, stupid thing. But like, I, I think it actually goes to the uh, ergonomics of the game a little better. So I'm glad they did that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And so that's the two things that we're most excited about from Gen Con. That is uh, correct. Yes. But I do I do want to talk about a thing and I don't want to spend too much time on it because I'm actually uh, one of the things that I did and I wasn't talking. I didn't want to talk about it in the hobby progress because I didn't want to count it. But I have been reading the rules for Cyberpunk Red. 
um, which is a skirmish game from Monster Fight Club, who is famous for making just excellent wargaming terrain, pre pre painted, pre ready to go. Maybe maybe the best. The if you want just like out of the box, ready to go, like not just like out of the box, you can play with it, but like painted well, looks good on your table, just and, and smartly designed like their trees. If you've never seen Monster Club Fight Club trees, it's a mm-hmm. it's like a stump. They're amazing. It's a stump and then there are three layers of the tree that go on top of it, but you can if you want have a dead tree stump and three bushes because those top parts are actually modular and you can push them out on the table separately. Um just yeah. like very smart. They're again well painted. So Monster Fight Club, this is all just to go to the to that like it's a company that understands, I think, what gamers want. Um, and so Cyberpunk Red, I'm just going to give Paul – what I'm doing right now is giving Paul the elevator speech. And then what we're going to do is like we're going to do a full episode on this because I've actually got it loaded on my iPad to take it on vacation. I'm going to finish reading and I'm going to take some notes so that we can <laughs> – You were talking it. about it the, the other day. You wanted yeah. to jump right in. Yeah, so that we can record an episode about it because I'm, I'm hyped. And the, the Discord is hyped too. We've got like – Three separate scenes developing in different areas, uh, based on what I've seen on the Discord. Um, and and so this is a, it's a small skirmish game, Paul. Um, small, and and I mean small, like it, 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 it very, very small unit counts. More, more like, uh, Bushido or, uh, Arena Rex than anything bigger, right? Uh, and the table size is, uh, kill team size. Oh, that's nice. So small. Um, yeah, that's the, your dream. Your dream. I know. Living the dream. Um, so, so here, here's what, here's the buttons we're we're ticking. Uh, very high detailed resin cyberpunk minis. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Small table. Let's go. Totally open activation system. So there are no rounds. It's just the game starts and you go until someone wins. I like that. Let's That's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and a very cool system that I won't get into much right now, which is h- how models actually activate, where their actions are more or less potent depending on what zone they're in. And by the time you're in your desperation zone, you're not as effective. You can't move as far. You can't hit as hard, et cetera, et cetera, because you're ro- basically rolling progressively smaller dice as you go right. more into what's called the red zone in the game. And so huh. it has it has a feeling of fatigue, battle fatigue as a game goes on. Okay. So I like it. Very cool. And I just want to I want to mention it because I think everybody should go and look because this is a game. So it's fulfilling right now. So it's like not technically in retail release yet. It's fulfilling to Kickstarter backers. And it, it's not this isn't the kind of buzz where it's like, you know, a Kickstarter backer is like overhyping a game that they're already emotionally invested in because they spent too much money, you know, because let's be honest, that happens. Like I've, I've, I've had my Kickstarter honeymoons. This feels like legitimate people are loving this game hype. Like they just want to buy, like as soon as someone's like, I can't wait to buy more of this stuff. I'm like, okay, there's something, there's something real here. Like you got your Kickstarter and instantly the thing you want to do is buy more shit and play more. That means they got it right. Uh, and I yep. immediately took notice, right? Because I've become sort of jaded, especially when it comes to Kickstarter and Kickstarter games. And so I saw it and I was like, yeah, it's Master Fight Club. Yeah, it's a cool property. Yeah, the miniatures look great. But like, mm-hmm. you got to show me at this point. Like, I kind of, I can't, and I'm also like, you know, uh, 
a little too invested in flesh and blood. So I got to I got to like pick no. and choose my I know pick and choose my, my miniatures games pretty carefully. But this one looks like the real deal. And you know me, the thing that I want is a deep tactical game that can be played on a kitchen table or a card table. That is like what I'm talking about. And also it not I got this is weird, but also not having it attached to a like uh anyone at the mall recognizes it intellectual property mm-hmm. kind of carries a little bit of cachet. I wish it didn't, but it kind of does for me. That's what yeah. I mean. That's, that's part of the appeal. Rap, of, right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of the appeal of flesh and blood for me, right? Is it's their own intellectual property and it rules. And now right. cyberpunk isn't unknown, right? It's got a huge video game behind it. It's a, a legacy tabletop RPG with, like hundreds of thousands of fans around the world. So it's not as if it's a major property, but if you were like, if you went up to somebody and you were like, tell me what you know about cyberpunk 2077, they look at you like your head was screwed on wrong. It's not like right. you walk up and say, well, how, tell me about what your feelings on star Wars are. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yep. And so that actually, that, that helps me, I think a little bit because it, it, it lets me know that the they can take creative license, right? Like Monster Fight Club has ability to create their own characters. They can tell their own stories. They can do what they want as long as they fit to the, the theme and the sort of ethos of the world that is, that is set up, set up by the, the RPG, the TTRPG. As long as they follow that ethos, then I think they'll be fine to do whatever they want. Well, I, um, I, just, I just also figured out why, why, um, uh, this game is up your alley. Why is that? Because there's a keyword called Netrunner. Yeah, boy, of course. <laughs> I mean, where, that's that's literally where Netrunner comes from. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I yeah. Know. Oh, it's so good that they have that factored in too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so there is hacking, right? And the other one of the I so I haven't gotten to the hacking rules in the book, but I hear they're extraordinary. <laughs> so I'm really excited to record an episode, and I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to get small details wrong, uh, and I want to write yeah. notes and, and talk about it. But I am. so super fucking mega hyped about this game. <laughs> uh, and I've uh, got, I've got a couple of locals. Yeah, I know. I've got a couple locals that are already in. Well, and, and, and I can yep. get demos from, right. So I'm very much, very much looking forward to it. So something, something else, uh, uh, um, I'm going to, my headphones are starting to die. So I'm going to move you yeah. forward onto the next uh, topic yeah. quick here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Cause I know, and I know you're excited about it. Uh, Lorcana. Yeah, Lorcana. Let's talk about Lorcana a little bit. So there were two TCGs that were shown. There were lots of TCGs, let's be clear, shown at Gen Con, but two specifically that are very, very interesting to me. And right after I got done talking about how I like things that don't have established IP, let's talk about Disney and Star Wars. Um, Let's go into established IP uh, land. I know, I know. But the thing is, there's a difference, right? Like you can find – so in in miniatures games, like I played Malifaux seriously and competitively for four years, just grinding it with a great local community because miniatures games can find a niche in any community, as long as there is a champion grinding demos and people playing mm-hmm. miniatures games, you can get a scene. The thing about 
card games is card games require money going into the people who are designing and developing the game, right? They need to sustain it. They need to have releases every three months. They need to be big. They need to be flashy. There, It's an engine that has to run. And for that engine to work, you have to be either incredibly savvy and understand the business and create an absolutely unassailable game system. And I'm talking about flesh and blood here. Or you have to anchor your game to an IP that can sell the game by itself. And hopefully you're going to do both, right? Hopefully you're going to, if you do have that big established IP, you're also going to have a rock solid game system because I I heard somebody say great games are a dime a dozen. You have to have something extra. And it's like one of my favorite quotes I've heard about gaming in 2023 because it's so true. Um. And you, because it's true. I mean, great games are a dime or a dozen. You can go into a board game store and you can spend $60 wisely in a thousand places. Do you know what I mean? So you have to have something yeah. that separates you. Yep. And, and, and especially in TCGs, it is a cutthroat industry and the market does not have enough room for a dozen of them. It just doesn't work financially. Okay. That out of the way. Let's talk about Lorcana and let's talk yep. about Star Wars Unlimited. So Lorcana came out at Gen Con, kind of a disaster. Um, they, I don't think the publisher Ravensburger also, please stop calling, stop saying Disney did this. Disney did that. If you are out there on the internet commenting, Disney doesn't give a fuck what happens with Lorcana as long as they're getting <laughs> they the, pay- the name, as long as they're getting the paychecks from Ravensburger. It's Ravensburger that publishes this game and makes it not Disney. Disney yep. approves proofs and licensing things, and they will carry it at their parks as long as it's selling. They don't give a shit about anything else, so stop saying it. <clears throat> All right, rant over. <laughs> Ravensburger did not understand the demand they created for this game. It was clear all the way from the outset when they gave away the promos at D23 that have now started selling for fucking five figures per card. Unbelievable shit. Jeez. I know, it's stupid. I'm going to start swearing because we're an hour in. Um but the the they they just that I think they bungled it at Gen Con. And and it, it wasn't just Robinsberger, it was Gen Con too. I'm sure Robinsberger tried to tell them that they they had one of the biggest properties at the show. And I'm sure that Gen Con was like, Yeah, yeah, everybody says that. Um <laughs> and then it was a disaster. People got crushed. Um there were, there were stories of people who waited like hours in line only to be pushed out of line or told they were in a non-existent line to have to oh, wait geez. hours in a second line to get their chance at buying a box. Just a disaster mm. on the opening day. But but here's the thing. They cleared out of it. And I haven't talked to a single person that has hands-on cards playing the game that's like, this game sucks. No one. N- right. Not a single person. Um, and that it's sort of con- confirmed my theory about the game that the game system is good. Um, and also, hey, look, I'm a I'm a father of of uh, two girls um, of varying ages. They're they're separated by seven years, but you know what? Both of them love Paul Disney. Disney. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they do. Uh, and so buying this game for me is an investment in playing games with my daughters for years. Even if this game fails, I'm going to be able to play it with Aurelia forever um, as she gets well, older that's... and she learns to read. And the art's great. The mechanics are sound. It's a game that families can play because the rules are relatively light. All of the complexity comes in the cards. 
Right. Which is, which is what you want, right? Like then yes. you can focus on that and it allows you to play with your younger kids. Exactly. Right? Because if the, if the, if the core rules are at a certain level and the complexity is in the cards, you can always look at the cards and say, eh, my kid isn't ready for this ability yet. Yes. And maybe so we, can, maybe you, we just tone it pull down them off of there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can, you can dumb it down. Um, and you know, as as skills and and reading comprehension and frontal lobe development, then you can start adding stuff on. And that's how I taught Ezzy to play Magic. I started her with simple stuff and only mm-hmm. a few keywords. Like I wasn't like throwing every keyword in the game at her. Uh, we just started with evasion, so like flying and menace, and then trample, and maybe maybe like a couple other ones. But like, we didn't start with a lot when I was teaching her magic, because it was easy to ramp up. And and but there's lots of complexity in magic because of the concept of instant speed spells. And there's nothing like that in Lorcana. Lorcana, it's when it's your turn, you can do stuff. And when it's your opponent's turn, they can do stuff. Right. Um, and so it's very exciting to me. I think Lorcana has a bright future. That's what I want to say, really, is that I, as long as Ravensburger can keep up, they can stay on the grinder, right? They can stay on the treadmill. I think they yep. have a real hit on their hands. The art's great. The foiling looks good. The rules look good. People that are on the ground playing it, like there, there's already YouTube channels that are dedicated to showing TTS gameplay, and they're clearly having fun and brewing decks and, and having a great time. Um, and the theme really shows like when I, the thing that sold my wife, right. Is there cards that are song cards and you can actually exhaust, um, cards on the table to sing the song cards rather than spending the, the resources to cast them. She was like, what? (laughs) That is Mm. the coolest thing. And like, it makes you want to sing the songs because the cards are named after the songs. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got, you, yeah, if you're going to end up doing that no matter what. I, yeah, I can't 100%. imagine playing that and not and not doing it. Yeah. 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 Like Hakuna Matata, you're going to do it every time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mother Knows Best. At least me. I'm going to do it every time. I love that song. <laughs> T- Tangled is great. The movie is great. Fuck it. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So Lorcana, um, and just to talk like at the 30,000th of you, um, for people who haven't don't know anything about it, uh, 60 card decks, there are six different colors of ink. The inks are kind of like the colors in magic. If you're familiar with that at all. So each one is going to have sort of like a mechanical identity inside of that color. The way deck building works is that you can put, uh, up to four copies of whatever card that you want, but the restriction is that you can only have two colors of ink in your deck. So out of the six things, you have to pick two and slam them together. You don't have to have equal cards either. It's not like you have to have 30 of one, 30 of the other. You just can only have two. Right. And so that's the deck building restriction. Um, And outside of that, you can go nuts. You can combine. You can make like a princess and villain deck if you want to. Like you can do whatever you want. Um and it just it, the the way that the game works is it's a it's a it's a stand, it's a very standard card game. It takes a lot of mechanics from the World of Warcraft card game, a lot of mechanics from Magic, um, and there's countless other games too. I think that it actually it borrows from. Um, but your basic models have a strength and a toughness. Damage is persistent, so when something takes damage, the damage stays on it until they are banished. Uh, right. And the, the goal of the game is to quest for lore. Uh, rather than attack your opponent's face. So you are trying to go kid on friendly. quests. Yep, it's kid-friendly. Exactly. Disney-friendly. No one's dying. Characters are banished, not dead. Um, 
And the the cool thing and the thing that the, the way that they get around the resource system of a game like Magic is that you can take cards from your hand and put them face down on the table as resources once per turn. You're allowed to turn one card into what's called ink. And the really cool thing about this is the most powerful game cards in the game aren't inkable. There's actually a symbol on every card that around the around the cost. And if uh-huh. it's just a hexagram around the cost, you can't ink it. But if there's a symbol around the hexagon, then you can sink you can um ink it and you can turn it into a resource. And a lot of the most powerful cards like putting it in your deck is great because they're powerful, but it's also risky because you can't ink them. So if you draw them in there like very high resource, they're just kind of stuck in your hand until you can afford them. Hmm. Um, so that's really cool. Um, so that's basically Lorcana. So the other thing, I guess I know your headphones are dying. We got to talk. It's yep. Star Wars Unlimited. Oh, and uh, by the time you listen to this, Lorcana will be out. Uh, you probably won't be able to get it, though. So jokes on you. Um <laughs> at least until Robinsberger figures out how to print enough of it, because I think this yeah, first hope, print, hope, this first print hope. run is going to disappear. Hopefully, they don't accidentally kill it like uh, FFG did with the Star Wars dice game. Yeah, whoops! Don't 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 kill it like Destiny. Destiny was great. Died too soon. R.I.P. R.I.P. Destiny. Love um, that game. I know a game is so good. Um, okay, so Star Wars Unlimited. Star Wars Unlimited. Uh, speaking of fantasy flight games, is a fantasy flight uh, TCG. Um, so they did their, they, and and it's a no gimmicks TCG. So we don't have big chunky plastic dice. We just have cards. Um, and they've got a, I would, I would say like now that we've seen the full design teams, they've got as talented a design team working on this game as any TCG in the industry. So in terms of design acumen, there's nothing to worry about with this game. And we've seen demo decks from Gen Con and they've since started releasing more cards and like, mechanically like i'm actually so paul i'm gonna say something this is the first time i vocalized it i'm actually Uh worried for my ability to play flesh and blood at the level i'm playing it at right now when this game comes out because this game ticks so many boxes for me and it's also star wars yeah and and it's a tcg right it is a tcg yep yeah so that's a that's a whole different, you know, it's level a, of like like that's a that's a much more comfortable level of of purchasing for me than than a CCG. Well, I mean, it's the same. It's the, well, no, it's the same. It's the same. TCG oh. CCG are are. It's not. It's not a living card game. This that's is a game what, where that's what I'm thinking. Never mind. Then no, ignore me then. Yeah, no, you're gonna be but yep. you're gonna be buying booster packs of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of yeah, this yeah. game. Um, and it's so there's there's some really cool things about this game. Um, one of the cool things is it has the same activation style as Destiny. So Paul now immediately familiar audience, maybe not as familiar. So when you play a game like Magic the Gathering, when it's your turn, you have a series of phases and things you can do. And basically you can do all of the stuff you want to do on your turn and then pass the turn to your opponent. So you can play multiple cards. You can, you know, you can drop a mana. You can tap a couple to play a spell, play another spell. You can attack and then cast more spells in your second main phase. And the turn sequencing is very complicated. And the way it works in Destiny and now in Star Wars Unlimited is you get to do one thing mm-hmm. and then your opponent responds and does 
one thing and then they yep. pass it back to you and you do one thing and you keep doing that until neither of you can do one thing anymore and then the turn turns over and you start a new turn cycle on tap all your resources mm-hmm. go back to playing doing one thing so playing a card activating a card uh doing the, like everything you do uses your action for that thing that fa- that phase and you pass it back to your opponent and that creates a much different cadence in a game. It allows a game to, and if anybody who's played Destiny immediately knows what I'm talking about, the game is deeply interactive because you're constantly passing priority back and forth because you can only do one thing per time. It's your turn to do something. When you really get it, it, it really puts you in that situation where you have to really start thinking about what you're doing first. And yeah, the order um, which you're what doing the, things in, what you what how, the order which you anticipate your opponent will respond mm-hmm. to what you're doing. Uh, yep. Yeah, hundred percent. You're definitely thinking out multiple levels as you're as you're making your decisions. And so this is a major box tick for me. When I when, as soon as they said it had the same activation style as Destiny, I was like, go on, because <laughs> mm-hmm. like that's my favorite thing apart about that game. So now here's another thing, and this is like so it's going to sound like a really small innovation, but I will go into why it is so spectacular. So because they have this system where you do one thing, one thing, one thing one thing what they do is instead of your average card game so you're at, and we're not talking about flesh and blood because flesh and blood at the end of your turn you always drops your hand size unlike games like magic and lorcana and countless other tcgs before it where you draw one card at the start of a turn this game lets you draw two right and so that draw two is huge. It's so huge because you move through your deck faster. And also like Lorcana, the resources in this game are the cards from your hand. Now you have an option every turn, whether or not you would like to cite to resource a card and you have to choose to resource the card before you start the main action phase where you're passing back and forth. So that decision is massive. When you draw two, it's like, do I keep both these cards or am I resourcing a card? Um, and that adds yet another level of tactical flexibility where you can be like, you know what? I don't need to, like, you, you could know, like, the highest, so the highest two card thing that I'm going to want to play in this game is a four and a five. So as soon as I get to nine resources on deck, I never have to resource another card because I'm never going to need it. And then you can just start to have a bigger hand with more options. Right. As a as a, just like a, 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 clear, a cleaner line of play. And because right. you're drawing to you're not al- always playing off the top of your deck. You always have the option to take those two cards and keep them both or resource one and play the other. So playing off the top of your deck, like once you're empty handed, feels a lot better because you're always getting two options rather than one. And more is always better than less. Right. Yeah. So that's a huge thing about this game. So here's another thing that I really like about this game. There, 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 there are no deck construction. Uh, okay, okay. You, I think you can only have three copies of any given card. I think it's three. It might be four, but I think it's three. And you have to have a 50-card deck. And then you have to have a leader and a base, and we'll talk about that in a second. But in the 50-card deck, it's three copies of any card, and that's the only restriction. So there are six, just like Lorcana, there are six different 
types of they're 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 all it's it's a fantasy flight game so they all have dumb names are like heroism villainy uh whatever but it's like blue blue red green yellow black right like it that yeah. they're six colors six identities mechanical identities um and there's no restriction to them being in your deck zero you can just you can put whatever 50 cards you want together N- no restrictions so how does that make you feel does that make you feel a little nervous no, I, I the the challenge there is is list build is building the deck right like it's well, kind of wide it, open. It's not, but it's not just that. So let's now let's get into your base and your leader. So your leader is always going to have two of those colors, and your base is always going to have one of those colors. Now your base and your leader could share a color. Like you could have blue blue amber on your on your base and then amber or blue sorry, blue amber on your leader and then amber on your base. But okay. here's here's how playing cards works. When you play a card, every card has a cost. And next to the cost are a series of symbols. Now, every symbol that's on that card that you don't match on your leader or base, the card costs two extra to play. Ooh, so, so it's like uh, Mercs in uh, Malifaux, where you got to pay just a little bit extra, to pay a extra tax, cost. But two is hugely punitive. Like I've now that I've seen the game being played, I understand how punitive two resources is. And like basically, what it means is that cards that that cost you two extra because they're one symbol out of your base hero identity is restrictive, and four out is unplayable. You just can't right. do it. Um, but but here's the other thing that it does because this is a TCG. And this isn't. This is as now a. I would. I would call myself a, a very, very much ingrained TCG player. Limited play is very important to me. And if you're only a miniatures game player and you're listening to this, you may have no clue what I'm talking about. So limited play means playing from a limited set of packs. And t- typically, there are two two styles that are mostly talked about. There are actually more than two styles of limited play, but for the most part, the two are they're called draft and sealed. And so what sealed play means is you are given a specific number of packs and then you have to build a deck of a certain card quantity from that series of packs. So you might be given six packs to build a 30 card deck. So you have 90 cards and you have to build a 30 card deck and then play games. And then there's drafting, which if you ever played Seven Wonders or any game, it's a game where you open a pack, pick a card and then pass the card pass the whole pack to the next person who will pick a card and you do that until the pack is gone. You do that three times typically and then build a deck out of the cards you've drafted. So that's just the, the quick primer. And this is all to say, if you think about the way that the resource system works in this game, it was clearly designed for both constructed and limited play from the ground up. Because what it means is when you draft a quote unquote dead card in this game. So if you're playing magic and you are drafting into green, black, and someone passes you a pack with no green or black cards, you're kind of just hosed. You have to just take a card and it's a dead card. In this game, that's not necessarily the case. If it's one color out, 
fuck it, you might be able to play it, but you can always resource it. And even if it's too out and it's too expensive to play and you draw it, you can still resource it. So there are no dead cards when you're playing limited. And that is, it's just incredibly massive. And it makes me very excited to play this game. And I think this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be a limited player of this game and a constructed player in flesh and blood. I'm going to like every draft and sealed event I can play in this Star Wars game. I'm going to go play because it sounds like a blast. Yeah, that's one way to be able to dabble. Yep, to, it, to just functional, do a dabbling. functional dabbling. Buy some starters and then play in limited, some dabbling. Because the limited sounds great. Um, and it's Star Wars, right? I love me some Star Wars. Um, so, but then, but then we haven't even talked about the leader and the base yet. And so, Paul, this is the last thing I'm going to do because I'm trying to sell you on this game too. Because I think it's, you know, it's Star Wars. We love Star Wars. And I think you'll actually really enjoy this game, especially because the limit is so strong and it's not a huge investment. But. So you have to have your 50 card deck for constructed 50 card deck, leader, base. So the base and the leader, you're, okay, so your leader always has an ability and once per game, you can do what's called an epic action to flip that into one of the fields of play because this game has a space theater and a ground theater. Ground theater units can't interact with each or can't interact with space and space can't interact with ground. So there's Makes two sense. separate there's two separate theaters that are happening and you're trying to destroy your opponent's base. But your leader always has, so your leader A gives you two symbols. So it's kind of gives you your deck identity, right? Because it's going to give you two of the colors that you're going to be building into. Um, like as an example, I think that uh, the Luke card they showed, I think is heroism and vigilance, which is yellow and blue uh, or blue and yellow in, in so blue heroism, yellow vigilance, I think. Um, and that, so then, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to be looking for blue and yellow cards. And then you pick your base. Right. And um, your base, there are vanilla bases and the vanilla base starts at 30 health. So you're basically setting yourself at 30 health. But I think, you know, where I'm going here in that there are also bases that have abilities, but the bases with abilities have less health. So you can make the decision in deck building to give yourself less of a clock for a stronger ability that you can always use anytime you need it. Which makes sense. I, I support that. And it gives you a color, right? So the base gives you a color and possibly an ability. And so also there are cards in the game that could have two of the same color. So you might have a card that's double yellow. And the only way to not pay a tax on that is to have yellow on your base and on your leader. And so this gives, I mean, I just think about like how great this was for the designers. They like really thought about how they could give themselves the most levers to push and pull on. So they've got the leaders that come out and they have static abilities and they flip over into actual units, either in space or on the ground that also have special abilities. And then once they get killed, they go back into your, what, your, your commander zone and have their persistent ability again. But then there are also bases which are being attacked because it's your health, but also could have abilities and another symbol. So it like, they have just so many levers that they can pull on in design and both designing cards, archetypes, play styles and um 
like just g- generally how the game works, right? Like we, cause we talk about that. In, like if you go back and listen to our episodes on like Guild Ball and stuff, we talk about how important it is for the developers to be able to have all of these different things that they can draw on on design to keep the game fresh and interesting over time. And I think what Fantasy Flight have done with this core rules system is they've given themselves a simple framework that has cavernous depth to develop into. So I'm going to I'm going to ask you a uh, completely like the question that a a non card gamer is is going to ask in this yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about the card art? I think it's great. Uh, so the comic, the art is uh, very much comic book inspired. So if you've read any of the recent Marvel comic book art, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. So it, it has a very comic book feel, uh, but the art is very divisive. I will say there are lots of people that don't like it, but here's here's my pro argument outside of that. I, I like it. So my argument outside of it is that what they are trying to do and what they have said they are doing, and they've sort of already given us hints at this, at showing us the next three set names. The, the game is called Star Wars Unlimited for a reason. And one of the things that they talked to with Lucasfilm and Disney was their ability to go anywhere that they want to in the Star Wars universe. Yes. And so if they want to do a set that's based around the Old Republic on Coruscant, they're going to do it. That's the set they're going to design. If they want to go to the prequels and they want to set it right in the prequels, that's where they're going to go. That's what they're going to do. They want to do a scum and villainy set that's like all based on on the like the Black Suns or Pikes or whatever. That's what they're going to do, and they're going to design a set on it. Now they have they've also said they want to have a unified art style. They want this game through its lifetime for a person to be able to look at a card and say that's a Star Wars Unlimited card, and to do that. They have to have a unit. Can you imagine how much of a mess it would be if they were using like film steel stills? Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, uh, I don't. It's it's one of those ones where you kind of have to get used to the art style. Um, like some of them are are fine, right? Like definitely stylistic. And then there's like the Admiral Mahdi, which is mm-hmm. I think the one that's really I'm struggling with. I don't know. Just the perspective <laughs> on them is bugging the shit out of me. Sure. And the uh, the one the card for the first Legion S- Snowtrooper too. I don't know. That one just feels very uh, almost too comicky. Too comicky for you. I mean, I, and I think you know, art is very subjective, right? And I'm never going to be like because I already have talked to people that like, I just don't, the art just doesn't do anything for me. And I get it. There are plenty of art styles that don't do it for me. Right. Like I look at something I'm like, nah, I just hate the art. Like I'm going to say this as a strictly to the board gamers. If you look at a game that like Gale force nine produces shit is not for me. Their graphic design is abysmal. The art all sucks and it takes me out of their games. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just does. Right. And, and I get it. If this game does that to you, I understand that feeling and I get why you might not like it. I though, love it part of it's because that you know i've loved comic books my whole life and i love star wars comic books all the way back to the dark horse comics 
Um, so I am 100% on board. Like they just showed this like thing called security complex and it looks like it's on Scarif and it's just so, oh, it is on Scarif. It says Scarif on it. Lol. And the art is rad. It's just so cool. There's like a Lambda shuttle, like landing at a base on Scarif and you've got like water in the palm trees and it just looks so cool. I love it. Um, so I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm way in on this game. Like Lorcana, I'm still actually a little tentative after the first set, you know, they're going to still have to prove it to me set on set, whether or not the game is worthy of continuing to buy. But this Star Wars game, based on the mechanics and what we've seen of the cards and the complexity level of the cards that we've seen and the interactivity of the game, oh boy, I'm in, way in. It's just ticking all the boxes for me. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's. I'm going to definitely keep my eye on it. I think it'll be interesting, um, see how it plays out. And again, keep looking. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see, uh, again, I'm focused on the art side of it too uh just where they go with that and i'm also interested to see with the unlimited concept uh for the sets and seeing what kind of interesting stuff they they do here because you know i do have strong opinions on eu and how much they get into there and and whatnot um as you should yeah versus versus everything else i think i think it'll be at, at the very least watching it from the outside will be very interesting Hell yeah. And I mean, that's a perfectly legitimate way to enjoy this game too, right? Like if you're not necessarily a card gamer and you don't necessarily want to get super invested, I think that's a totally legit thing and a a legit way to go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So final thoughts time for the episode. Um, Corvus Belly, good. AMG, good. Oh my God, I'm excited about Cyberpunk Red. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Miniatures wise, absolutely. Um, I think... I think we're. I think in, uh, Corvus Belly definitely has a chance at having something really big on their hands with Warcry, depending on how it all shakes down. Yeah, um, Warcry looks great. I, I think it can get a lot of people's attention, and uh, AMG just is still making great decisions. I think that's what it comes down to. Million billion percent. Yep. Yep. Cool. All right. Um, well, I guess in that case. Um, Thanks for listening. Uh, thank you to our patrons. You're the ones who keep us basically doing this uh, all the time. Not that we don't love hanging out. We would hang out normally and talk normally, but uh, I think we feel very, very indebted to you guys. And so thank you very much. Um, and it keeps us going. We really does, really does. It's not, I, I love to say keeps the lights on, but really it's just the motivation and it, it really keeps us recording and keeps us passionate about this project that we have been on for years now. Um, also thank you to static as a city for the, uh, excellent music at the front and the back. Just continue to love it. Um, hit us up on the socials, uh, specifically our discord. Uh, there will be a link in the description for our discord. We've, I've actually seen quite a few people coming in, uh, as listeners and not just people local to North Carolina or Madison, which has been really refreshing to see some listeners coming in. So please, please, please join the discord. We actually have a really cool dual local citizenship sort of between the two areas that the, the, the co-hosts live in and also listeners from around the country and the world. So please join us and, and, chat about games and fitness and music and card games and board games and everything that we do um and with that uh i'll say bye